Passion Translation, Psalm chapter 4, verse number 1. I love what it says. It says, God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in distress, everybody say distress. Whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again. Anybody know anything about that? I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right away. Grant me your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. I love to read David. That guy just put it down there where we lived. You are my righteousness, my champion defender, he says. Answer me when I cry for help. Answer me. I'm in, I'm struggling down here, God. Whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me and I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right away. Grant me your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. This morning I want to talk to you about stress. Anybody ever heard of that word? And I want to talk to you about whether you live your life in stress or distress. Because if we don't deal properly with stress, we'll get into distress. I um, recently I had a ministry appointment scheduled in Nashville. <laughs> it was during the middle of the day, so I knew the traffic would not be as severe as the morning work hour traffic. Those of you who have to travel into Nashville every day to work, bless your heart. Man, I pray for you. I pray for you. More, it's amazing we don't have more shootings than we do, just from people driving into Nashville. I, it, my appointment was in the middle of the day. It was like at 12.30, so I, I knew I wouldn't have to deal with the morning rush hour, and I knew I wouldn't have to deal with the evening rush hour coming back home to Murfreesboro. So I enjoyed a, a wonderful morning at the office. I had a wonderful season of prayer. I returned a bunch of emails. I usually, people say, why don't you, uh, you, you haven't got back to me for several days on my email. I average 78 emails a day. It's how many emails I get a day? 78 emails a day. So some days it takes me a few days to get back. Uh, uh, so if I don't get back to you and you email me and I don't get back, it's nothing personal. I'm just, I just haven't got to you yet, but I'll get to you. Hang with me. I'll get to you. And if I don't get to you, I'll see you in heaven. All right. So <laughs> I enjoyed a several, I enjoyed a great morning. It was just a great morning. It was a good morning. I returned several emails. I typed a couple of letters. I made about six phone calls. And I was having a fantastic day. To be honest with you, time got away from me a little bit, and I left about 15 or 20 minutes later from my office here than I intended to get to Nashville in time. But I, I gave myself plenty of time, and the traffic wasn't going to be bad. I quickly, quickly when I realized what time it was, I, got, I left my office, got in my vehicle, and I started out of the parking lot, and when I did, my little dinger on my console came up and said, low fuel. And I remember the night before, I'd said the night before, I said, I'm going to get, I got to get gas before I go, I got to get gas before I go, I'll get it in the morning on the way to the office, and I forgot it. 
And then all of a sudden, I get ready to go, and I have to have gas. So I drove over to the gas station right across the street over there and pulled up to the pump. So far, stress-free. Singing a worship course and thankful to be me. When I inserted my credit card in the gas pump, the reader said, reinsert. So I reinserted my card. Once again, the reader said, reinsert. So I reinserted again, and the reader on the pump said, please see attendant. Singing stops, humming begins. I thought, I don't have time to go in and see an attendant. My stress level has started to just pick up a little bit. So I get in my vehicle and pull over to the next pump. I get out, insert my card, and the reader says, please reinsert your card. I reinserted my card again, and the reader said, please see attendant. By this time, I look at my watch. I'm 30 minutes later leaving than I planned to leave, and I'm still within eyesight of the church house. (laughs) I said, I'm not messing with this crazy gas station. I jumped in my vehicle and decided to drive down to this gas station at the corner of Memorial and Thompson. But when I pulled out onto Memorial Lane Boulevard, I chose the left lane, the fast lane, the passing lane, the speedy lane. But the person in front of me must have gone to the Amish school of driving for horse and buggy. They wasn't even doing the speed limit. Stress ramps up. Humming has stopped now. And accusatory thoughts toward the parents of the driver in front of me were flying through my mind. Finally, I whip into the gas station, jump out of the vehicle, and start to unscrew the gas cap of my vehicle. And I hear, hey, pastor. I didn't recognize the person by wanting to be kind, and I just said in a jovial tone, Hey there, buddy! Next I hear, Can I talk to you for a second? (laughs) Honestly, I'll be honest with you, my flesh wanted to scream, No, you can't talk to me! I don't want to talk to you! Get away from me! That's what my flesh wanted to say. I gotta go. I'm already late to this important meeting. The gas pump up the road wouldn't take my car. I got behind the Amish lady in her horse and buggy. Don't bother me. The person didn't wait for my answer. Can I talk to you for a second? They just started telling me about their family member who was struggling and was in need of prayer. I listened. As best as I could, five minutes later, I inserted my credit card into the pump, and the pump reader said, reinsert. (laughs) 
Stress is pegging the max meter at this time. Words are flying through my mind that I never used and never heard of before. I reinserted my card and the readers finally said, processing. A sigh of relief sweeps across me and I said, thank you, Jesus. I finished filling up with gas, glanced at my watch, and my meeting started in exactly 40 minutes, and I have to get to downtown Nashville. I speed out of the gas station parking lot. I see a break in the traffic and floor it. But instead, but this time, instead of being behind driving Miss Daisy, I happen to pull out in front of Dale Earnhardt, And he lays on his horn. And I hear myself saying, you don't want to mess with me today. You're getting ready to encounter Jesus in the worst kind of way. I pushed my accelerator to the floor. I actually felt my foot hit the floor. My car takes off, the gas needle drops, and for a moment I forgot I was a pastor. (laughs) Now my stress level has gone nuclear. And as I pass the Miller Coliseum on Thompson, I grabbed hold of my emotions and I calmed down. I quietly breathed the prayer of repentance and took a deep, deep breath. And then I had to slam on my brakes. Traffic had come to a complete stop. Fifteen minutes later, fifteen minutes later, I creep by the intersection of Haynes and Thompson where they were doing road construction. By the time I got to Broad, I was laughing. I was laughing. Stress. It happens to all of us and can happen at any time on any day. It happens to all of us and can happen at any time on any day. Now, my incident was the type of stress that is not life-threatening. And it will vanish in a few minutes. Yet some of us live in stress-filled situations. We can't get away from it that easy. Some of us work in stress-filled situations, and stress is, for some of you, a continual part of your existence. You wake up with it, you go to bed with it. Stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. Stress is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. And the medical profession tells us stress is a major cause of many of the physical ailments that we deal with today. We encounter stress when physical sickness attacks us. We experience stress when financial pressure invades us. Stress can overwhelm us when our relationships are not going well or when tension surfaces in our friendships. I've discovered the greatest joy in my life can also be the greatest stressor in our life, our children. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Their challenges, their behavior, their health, their welfare is a heavy responsibility. And if we don't process it correctly, it can become very stressful to us. I used to think getting them to school, ball practice, horse riding lessons several times a week on daily homework was stressful. But then they became adults and then really we discovered what stress is all about. This week I was in Oklahoma ministering, Amanda and I were, to several hundred ministers who daily live in stress. Each day of a minister's life, someone is angry. Every day someone is leaving the church. Every day someone gets mad because you didn't do it the way they wanted it done. Every day we deal with someone is leaving their spouse. Someone has received a bad report from the doctor. Someone can't pay their bills and needs help. Someone has lost their job. Some t- somebody every week tells us we're not spiritual enough and they're going to another church where they can be fed better. As a minister, these things greet pastors every single day. And yet, when all of that hits, you have to go home and try to be normal and enjoy a family life. Stress is a part of life. In fact, it's impossible to live life without some measure of stress. And if we, you and I don't learn how to deal with stress, we will pull back retreat, or quit. Let me repeat that. If we don't learn how to deal with stress, well, so I'm, I'm looking for a place where there's no stress. Not going to be there. Not going to be there. I'm looking for a church where there's no stress. Can't find one. Not in this city. Well, I'm looking for a, 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 a marriage where there's no stress. Forget that. Well, I'm going to get a job where I don't have to deal with this. Well, you're going to have to deal with things when you get at the other job. If we don't learn to deal with stress, we will pull back, retreat, or quit. Here's what I've seen over all these years of ministry. Daily, someone leaves a God-given job. They walk away from a God-ordained marriage. Or they retreat to substance abuse or make unwise decisions concerning their future simply because they don't deal biblically with stress. A job that God opens a door for them and it gets stressful and they run away from it. I I just, I want to go where there's no stress. You leave a God-ordained job because you won't deal properly with stress. You leave a God-ordained marriage because you go through a season where it gets tough. And you walk away from that marriage. God's Word has an answer to stress. Turn with me to John chapter 16. You can look at it in your translation. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. John chapter 16, verse number 33. It says it like this. John chapter 16, verse 33. And everything I have taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Now notice this next sentence. For in this unbelieving world, 
You will experience trouble and sorrows. You hear what he's saying? In this world, you're going to deal with stress. It don't make any difference what city you live in, what roads you drive on, who you're married to, where you work, where you go to church, where your kids go to school. In this unbelieving world, you're going to experience trouble, sorrow, stress. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Jesus informs us that in the world we would be surrounded by stressors. But in the middle of the stress, we're not supposed to quit. We're not supposed to retreat, and we're not supposed to run away. We're supposed to deal with it. In fact, Jesus says to be courageous. Here's what I've learned. Strength is what it takes to begin. Courage is what it takes not to quit. Strength is what it takes to begin. Courage is, not to t- is what it takes not to quit. You might be sitting here this morning and you think, you know, I walked away from that. I left that just because of the stress. And I know God opened that door for me. I know God made the way for me. I know God told me to go to work there. I know God opened, uh, led me in that direction. And yet it got so stressful that I didn't think I could take it anymore. So I quit. If we're not careful, we will miss the plan of God and the purposes of God for our life simply because we don't deal properly with stress. When we don't correctly deal with the daily demons of stress, our stress will become distress. Stress as I said, is a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. And we all have that. But distress is extreme anxiety, sorrow, and pain. Stress is something we all deal with, from getting driving in this city with all of its traffic to dealing with the issues every one of us deal with every day with our families and with our work and our finances, we all deal with that. That's stress. But distress is when that stress overwhelms us. And it turns into anxiety and extreme pain. And we're not able to function like we need to with joy and peace and sleep well and our countenance be kind. That's distress. Go back to Psalm chapter 4. Go back to Psalm chapter 4, verse number 1. Notice what it says here. David said this about stress. He said, God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in distress, you enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right away. Grant me your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. Now, I don't know about you, but the normal and easy thing for me to do when we find ourselves in a stressful situation is to look for an escape from it. We get ourselves in stress. We find ourselves in stress. Something happens at work, and it becomes stressful. Something happens in our home, and it becomes stressful. Our finances start to crumble on us and life becomes stressful and the bills start coming in and stress starts hitting up, heating up and it starts maxing on our stress, stress meter and the first thing we look for is an escape. 
We look for an out. Unfortunately, people turn to all types of methods to numb the pain, to erase the hurt or escape the pressure of stress. They turn to alcohol. They turn to some type of substance abuse. Some of them just leave, quit. Some people go into isolation. Some people turn inward. Some people get involved in relationships they shouldn't be involved in just to escape the one they're in. We've all heard the stories. We might be a culprit of being one of those who has looked for an escape from the stressors that come against our life. We all, it's the thing to do. When stress comes, get out of it. Get rid of it. Escape it. God, deliver me. I want out of this thing. But notice what the Word says. Look what Psalm 4.1 says. Notice what David said. Whenever I was in stress, you enlarged me. Notice what David said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, the answer of my stress is not to run from it, but for me to be get bigger in Christ and overcome it. And that's totally different than anything we've ever experienced. We want to get out of it. We want to run from it. We want to escape it. Oh God, get us out of this. Deliver me. Why? Call you prayer, call the prayer partners. You call the prayer chain. You get people to agree with. Get me out of this mess. Get me out of this mess. God says, David said, no, 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 no. When stress came to my life, Lord, you made me bigger. God's answer to stress is not to run from it, but to get stronger than it. Now, don't preach me down because I'm preaching real... Shout me down because I'm preaching good here this morning. God doesn't want you to run from it. He wants you to get bigger than it. It's like yeast in cooking. When the heat from the outside hits the dough, the yeast on the inside reacts to the heat and expands, causing the bread to rise. And when the heat from the outside hits our life, it should cause something on the inside of us to rise up and be bigger than the difficulty that's happening on the outside of us. As children of God, we have been empowered with the Holy Spirit on the inside. And the Holy Spirit does not run from difficulty. In fact, if we will allow Him, He will rise up within us just like yeast does to the dough when stress surfaces. He will enable us to face any circumstance with courage and with God's strength. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn over to 2 Corinthians, the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Let me read that again in the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Notice what it says. The Apostle Paul is talking here, and notice what he says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. He says this, The extraordinary level of the revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. Now, over the years we've heard all kind of teaching on the thorn in the flesh. 
people get sick in their bodies and they say, well, it's the thorn. I got a thorn, a thorn in the flesh. Well, are you telling me you've had so many revelations of Jesus Christ that Satan sent a thorn in the flesh? Thorn in the flesh is not sickness in your body. It wasn't an eye disease that Paul had. I don't know where that came from. But it wasn't an eye disease that Paul had. It has nothing to do with sickness in the body. In fact, the Bible tells us right here, For this is why a thorn in the flesh was given to me, the adversary's messenger sent to harass me, keeping me from being arrogant. If somebody comes up to you and they've got some reoccurring disease and they tell you that's their thorn in the flesh they have to bear, don't pay any attention to them. Paul says, because of the revelation. Here was a man that called up into heaven, heard things not lawful for man to utter. He said, because of all these revelations, Satan has sent a demon to harass me so that I won't be arrogant. And notice what he says, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to get me out of this stressful situation. Three times I asked him, help me to get out of this mess. But the Lord answered me, My grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weaknesses, for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Verse 10, So I'm not defeated by my weakness or my stress, but I'm delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles and stress on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. Listen to what he's saying. When stress comes, I don't run, I get bigger. And here's the truth. Many of us have never gotten or arrived at where God wants us to be because we will not allow the stress and the pressure to get on us heavy enough for the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to rise up. We run away from it. Well, I don't feel it. You don't need to feel it until you get there. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This will change your life, but y'all don't seem too excited about this one. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution for my love of Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness, oh, I love this, becomes a portal to God's power. I'm going to tell you something. You go to work tomorrow and here you go, you walk in there and they start that junk again. And you say, I, you've said, I'm not going, if they start that stuff again, I'm walking out. I'm leaving here. I'm not going to mess with that. Tomorrow when they start that, why don't you just go, ha, ha, ha. This is a portal to God's power flowing in me and see what God will do through you. Stop trying to escape. But instead of using that as an opportunity for the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up in you and see what you can accomplish in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what I've learned. A hindrance to dealing with stress in our daily lives is the time we waste rebuking skinny cows. 
You say, what? I've spent more time rebuking skinny cows when God told me in His Word, the skinny cows are coming. Why are you rebuking them? I told you they were going to be there. We keep rebuking skinny cows. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? All right, let me show it. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Joseph, back in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 41. Talking about dealing with stress. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1, out of the New Living Translation. How many have the New Living Translation? How many brought your Bibles? I may remember it's spelled B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. Notice what it says here. Two full years later, I'm going to read several verses here. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind from them from the Nile. But these were scrawny and thin, skinny cows. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Now go down to verse 8. Verse 8. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell them, him what they meant. Verse 9. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of, of my failure, he said, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he told us what each of our dreams meant. And everything happened just as he had predicted. I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Verse 14. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. And no one here can tell me what it means, but I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell me what it means and set you at ease. So Pharaoh told Joseph his dream, and my dream, he said, I was standing on the bank of the Nile River, and I saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. But when I saw seven sick-looking cows, scrawny and thin, come up after them. I've never seen such sorry-looking animals in all the land of Egypt. These thin, scrawny cows ate the seven fat cows. But afterward, you wouldn't have known it, for they were still as thin and scrawny as before. Then I woke up. Everybody still with me? Yes. See, we spend all of our time rebuking the skinny cows. And it's a waste of time. Genesis 41, verse 25. Turn down, go down to verse 25. 
Joseph responded. Both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. This will happen just as I've described it, for God has revealed it to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. Verse 29, the next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt, but afterwards there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and He will soon make them happen. Verse 33, Therefore Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land, let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years, have them gather all the few food produced in the good years that are just ahead, and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away, guard it so there will be enough food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famines come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? It says this, Pharaoh had a dream. He dreamed that there was going to be, uh, he had seven cows that were fat and seven cows that were skinny. The skinny cows ate the fat cows. What does that mean? God told him it means this, the next seven years are going to be great prosperity. And then seven years of that's going to be great famine. He says it's going to happen. You can rebuke the famine all you want to. You can curse the famine all you want to. You can bind the famine all you want to. You can speak and declare over the famine all you want to. It's not going to change the famine. The famine's coming. Prosperity's coming. Famine's coming. He says, when the stress of famine comes, if you have been prepared properly during the time of prosperity, you will be ready for the stressors that come to your life. Why have I said it a hundred times if I've said it once? What John Osteen said to me, if you'll put God's Word in you when you don't need it, the skinny cows will show up one day and you will need it and you will have it and be prepared for it. What did Jesus say? He said, in this world you're going to have trouble. Don't let it shock you because you get in a stress-filled situation. Don't let it rock your world because your children struggle at school. Don't let it rock your world that some rumor takes off through your company and says your job might be eliminated. Don't let it rock you that you might encounter some type of physical attack against your body. Don't let it rock you that all of a sudden your passionate romantic relationships runs through a season of lean dryness. Don't let it rock you. Make sure that during the good times you get yourself prepared so that when the lean times come you will be able to survive. The times. What we do is we flip away. It's going good. Nothing's happening. We won't really press into God. We don't press into His Word. We don't come to church half the time. We're not faithful to small groups. We just do our own thing. And all of a sudden, 
bang, something nuclear hits your life or hits your children and you're not prepared. And we cry, oh God, get me out of this. He said it's coming. He said it's coming. Stress is coming. Trouble's coming. Difficulty's coming. But get prepared for it ahead of time and stop rebuking the skinny cow. Pray for me that this thing, God rebuke this thing. It's coming. I'm not going to pray for you that God's going to rebuke some people, mean people to you at work. They're coming. You go to the next job, guess what? There's twice as many mean people. They've been waiting on you to show up to be mean too. See. Get prepared. Get prepared. Build your David says, David says, when distress came, you enlarged me. I didn't run away from it. You enlarged me. Stop wasting your time rebuking the skinny cows in your life. Spend your time growing in the Lord. Let Him enlarge you so that we can defeat stress instead of allowing the stress to become distress. See, most of us don't have a stress problem. We have a capacity problem. We increase our capacity by growing in the Word of God. 